We were discussing the panic a few old men are having about certain French terms. There was one debated on the Parliament floor. What was it? Employees. Employees, and here we say it and yet live. It is not panicking to bore something. Neither is it useful to replace a perfectly good Anglo-Saxon word with some foreigner's flourish. In England, we say the employed. What possible benefit in replacing it with employees? The singular. One may refer to a single employee, whereas the employed can only be used to describe a mass of people. It doesn't allow for the idea that a single worker may be a whole and meaningful being. Mr. Burroughs. Mr. Scampoli. <laughs> you look very fine. I think so, too. You know what else is looking fine? The first episode of The Nevers, a hot new HBO show in the making for years, finally with us now, and finally we're here to discuss it on uh, this podcast. If you've just stumbled across this, Jim and I, we run a little podcast network called Shows What You Know. You can find it at showswhatyouknow.com, and we discuss all manner of television shows, and the latest one we're about to get into is The Nevers. As we're recording this, only the very first episode, the pilot, is out. So uh, we're here to chat about it. Jim, have you had hype going into this? Or Oh, I, I should say, by the way, I think we should do like a slight spoiler-free discussion at the start uh, yeah. in case people haven't hopped on this yet. And then we'll sort of let you know when we're getting into the details of the first episode. So Jim, were you hyped for this show before uh, it came out? And how do you feel now? Uh, yes. I mean, it, I remember when it was announced, it was announced like, I guess a couple of years ago now with 2018 or it was like Comic-Con or something like that. And, you know, new Joss Whedon TV show, which at the time had a lot more currency than it does, uh, in this day and age in 2021. Um, mm. the, cause like, we're not going to get into all the specifics of Joss Whedon and what that entails, uh, with, you know, accusations and whatnot. We'll just stick to the, the, the writing and the past works. And I'm a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm a big fan of his Avengers movies. So when, you know, he's coming back to TV with an HBO show, I'm like, hell yeah, this sounds great. Uh, but then it was kind of like, you know, it was a long time. So it was just something I had in the back of my head and, it was weird because we were just personally discussing like, oh, what, what can we discuss next? Because we've talked about the Sopranos. We've done some offshoots on our Sopranos feed. We've discussed Cobra Kai, which we love. Uh, and it didn't dawn on me till a few days later. I messaged you. I was like, oh, it's weird that we didn't even think to discuss the new Joss Whedon show. And you hadn't even heard of it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, as as always, I'm coming in blind, like I'm just going through life, tra-di-da-di-da, and then suddenly there's an amazing new show, and I'm like, this is great, and then there's people who've been waiting for years who are just like, how dare you come in and enjoy this just without having to wait for it, I'm sorry, everyone, I came into this very blind, like I literally didn't watch a trailer or anything, so I just started it, like I started it, I hadn't even seen a promotional photo, I just knew what it was called, so I guess to give a, a spoiler-free summary, I didn't know it was the 1800s for a start. Like it, it's in, it's basically uh, a steampunk show. Let's say that it's yeah. a very specific kind of genre. And I, within the first five minutes or so, was like, "Oh, it's steampunk X Men or X Women, as the case may be," because it's essentially about 18 late 1800s London. Uh, except some people kind of have superpowers very similar to the whole X-Men franchise um, and 
yeah, it could be like an alternate version of the X-Men that takes place in the 1800s and it has steampunk and like self, you know, tiny prototype cars and cog wheels all over the place. So I guess uh, th- that's kind of a, a very brief summary of it. There's lots of these women who start having powers and people hunting them, of course. And they're just tr- and then there's an orphanage where they're looking after these uh these women and there's a few main characters that i will get into in more detail but jim this whole genre like i'm such a uh simp i guess for (laughs) steampunk content yeah uh i just i'm so into it it, but most of it is so bad like there's so much bad like there's never there's very rarely any actually good like 1800 steampunk content what do you feel about this whole like 1800s london but we got big cogwheels on everything genre like oliver twist plus a jetpack type shit like where do you come in on it are you like fuck yeah or are you like you know 1776 down with the brits or where are you at uh i mean just in general uh i'm not a big fan of like even taking out steampunk just period pieces and you know 1800s and stuff like that i don't like it and 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 usually, even you should pe- come on my podcast, <laughs> Real History, where yeah. we talk about historical TV shows and dramas. You'd and love it's, it. <laughs> it feels like even the people that I hate the past, <laughs> even the people that like this stuff, it's like because they they're like, ooh, the costumes and the uh, in the setting, and like it's even the people that really enjoy it, it doesn't feel like they really enjoy it. Like s- storytelling wise, they just like to look at the the, the fancy dresses and the top hats. Um, hmm. Steampunk is kind of cool it's more cool to me in just a like an art piece like a painting of something and it's like oh that's a cool take on a batmobile like you know you got steampunk batman or something but i don't want to watch a fucking show a steampunk batman although this is kind of a steampunk batman (laughs) i'll say yeah (laughs) i would watch that show and this is kind of that show um and i I guess going going back to what you're asking me as far as the hype uh, if I was honest, that's probably what took away a little of the hype. Because I do remember watching the trailer for this uh, a couple months ago, I believe. And that was, it It didn't completely turn me off, but it like set, it tempered my expectations a bit. Because I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going this, we're doing this now. So, didn't yeah, really grab I've, me. I mean, as always... I would just be hyped to see like a good Joss Whedon show. Yeah. Uh no matter what it is. And you it it's not it's not really guaranteed, I feel, that it will be good. He has very like specific ways of writing that sometimes work fantastically and sometimes uh, work fantastically on the surface and then underneath there are bigger story problems <laughs> or maybe like uh, suddenly they only they have to cut off the season and make all sorts of changes i'm thinking of dollhouse i was gonna I say was excited about for yeah. a while are you yeah. talking about dollhouse <laughs> yes i'm talking about dollhouse but let's not let's forget dollhouse for now um joss whedon has a very specific way of writing that is very comic booky to the point where this feels like a comic book adaptation. Obviously, he has lots of experience in that sort of realm as well. But it's just like that snappy dialogue. It's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is another example of like this kind of era, this kind of this type of content to a certain extent. And like Joss Whedon and this is just a, a match that 
as I started watching, I realized this is working really well for me. It's kind of silly to a certain extent. It's kind of indulgent, but it also has like some emotional moments, even in the first episode where I'm like, ah, Joss, you're, you're back. You're writing it, you're directing it. And it's got that juice, uh, which it like something like this could so easily be very, very silly and like the the which would make like the impactful parts like not really hit you know because mm. it's a very silly concept but i don't know it's just a, a good balance in this first episode it made me really excited to see uh, episode two well and also i mean it's exciting as a buffy fan a, a big buffy fan to also see that jane espenson is involved in this show uh mm. she's a great writer uh doug petrie is also involved in the show those are people that were involved back in the the Buffy days as well, um, Buffy and Angel days. So yeah, that to me that's exciting. And like I don't know because there's a lot. Of, I I was digging around a little bit online. There's a lot of criticism on this show, which I feel is kind of unfair because whether people want to admit it or not, I feel like they're taking in some of the different real world opinions they have on Joss Whedon with some of the accusations towards him against like, you know, harassment or being like an asshole, uh, on his previous works, because I like, I like what you're saying is are valid criticisms, comic-y, uh, comic booky, snappy, like almost silly concept, but that's but wait, Everything. I was saying those as compliments. Oh, yeah, are yeah. people saying that as bad things? No, people are saying that as bad things. And pe- and, I, and I even saw someone say it was like overstuffed with plot, which I guess, but it's kind of, it's more world building. I mean, we'll get into that when we get into more spoilers. <clears throat> but no, they're saying that as a bad thing or they're saying that if you've seen Buffy, you've seen the show, he's just doing the same thing. And obviously there's elements of like his style and that's every creator. And also the way these shows are that's like every show every show because so many shows try to be like a buffy these days it's yeah. you know you have these netflix shows that come out or just in general if they're not trying to be a buffy thing they're trying to be a superhero thing cuz superheroes obviously are like dominate our entertainment so i don't buy those as criticisms but yeah i, I know that's not quite what you were doing but it just kind of reminded me of some of the takes i was reading on this show and i guess we haven't like explicitly said it but I feel like it's very good. It's a very good pilot. It's a very good setting off point. There's a lot of things in motion, but it it didn't feel packed to me where I was like, oh, geez. Like, I don't know. I felt like confidence in the storytelling that these things are just being set up and we're going to see them play out. Like, it's it's more exciting to see where they go than a slog of like, oh, geez, what's this going to be or what's this subplot going to amount to? Um, I was very excited and I thought it was a very good episode. Yeah, me too. And like the, I guess if the criticism is, if you've seen Buffy, you've seen this show, like that sounds like someone talking who doesn't want a new show that's like Buffy because I am on board with that. Yeah. Uh, To the point where, as you're saying, so many other shows are worse versions of Buffy or they have elements of Buffy, but they're trying to be way too sexy. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what a lot of shows are. And I don't know. I feel like this has a great balance um, of what it's doing so far. And so I guess I would also say there's, like, supposed to be six episodes now in this first part of season one. And then, like, a mid-season break and six more episodes. To my understanding, filming was uh, sort of halted and resumed and so on because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so... 
So I don't know when we're getting the next six episodes, but we're getting these six in a row now. And I will probably check in and talk about all of them. But um, I think we should get into the details of the episode. I don't. I think you can listen to this uh, and like it won't really spoil you. I think it'll. Uh, we, we won't necessarily go through every single story beat. Just talk about what was exciting and working for us and so on. Um, but overall, uh, yeah, go watch this first episode and then come back and listen to this or if you're not convinced to watch it uh just listen to the rest of it and then you'll hopefully want to go check it out yeah and i think a show like this has better potential potential to be um i mean game of thrones isn't like an immediate comparison but it feels like it has the more potential to fill to like scratch that itch if you were a fan of game of thrones and i know like saying that now is way loaded because everyone hates game of thrones but at least when it was at its height and there was like, you know, intrigue, fantasy elements, uh, uh, sex, <laughs> you know, the, the, all the things that made Game of Thrones. Like, it feels like, given it's only been one episode, but it feels like the, the pieces are there to, you know, have a fun, you know, epic story. Um, obviously, a little bit more... Uh, fantasy than when the Game of Thrones started, but by the time people were on board, everyone was on board with all the fantasy elements. They loved the dragons. They loved the zombies. So uh, this feels like it would have been a better fit to kind of fill that void than, say, something like Westworld, which I think was initially thought just because it was like the next thing. Yeah, well, I was going to say, actually, this is also not a spoiler relief the actual details for later in the episode but until like the last five minutes i did i was like i'm enjoying this uh i don't know about the broader appeal hopefully people like it and then kind of the last five minutes made me go like ah yes there's gonna be a lot of talking on the subreddits now because of what they've done in the last five minutes of this episode there's gonna be a lot of theories and Seeing that, I was like, ah, this has kind of a Westworld vibe all of a sudden. Yeah. And I feel like people are going to be talking about this a lot and trying to figure stuff out. And it makes perfect sense that they're releasing it weekly rather than doing a big dump. I mean, there are HBO, they tend to do that anyway. But just as far as the way that Westworld season one was able to build hype, I was like, I could see that happening here. I'm hopeful that it will and that it will live up to the hype as well. I also generally do enjoy when it's like six episodes i believe they will pack a lot of story into six episodes instead of us having 10 or 12 episodes immediately where we might get a bit muddled in the end uh or sorry in the in the middle there so I, I, totally hypothetical just talking yeah just the last five episodes sorry, sorry five seconds five minutes made me go wow people are going to talk about this show a lot and i want to be one of those people i want to be one of the people listening to all the theories going no way and then be yeah. proved wrong just like with westworld <laughs> and um like this the this as a pilot it does set up a lot of different things i mean we have this uh well the the open i think is great because it's you know there's no dialogue it's like his montage where we're seeing a lot of our main characters and then even we get a thing where it's like three years later like we get the hint that something happens and then three years later, like it continues the montage of picking up with some of those characters and they're in different places. But then beyond that, we have, you know, uh, the cause of everything that's going on. We have this potential of this group of people that are kidnapping the people that are touched. We have this underground gangster character played by Nick Frost. We have these villainous villains that are the 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 men in power. 
Uh, we have this, you know, serial killer, evil version of our character. Like, there is a lot going on. We even see this thing where a guy's, like, torturing someone. And uh, what does that lead to? But, again, to me, it all felt like, ooh, these are great threads. Like, where is this yeah. going to go? And I think in comparison, um, a lot of things that we watch now are typically based on something else. Whether it be a re, whether it be a remake, a reboot, a revival, or even just something based on a comic, a graphic novel, or a book. So even though those things are doing the same thing, a lot of people already have a frame of reference. So they're like, "Ooh, that's setting up that. That's setting up that." So I think some people are like not used to having a graphic novel or something where they could already look it up, and they're like, "This is confusing. What is all this?" It's like, "Well, this is storytelling," you know. Uh, it didn't, I don't know. Did it come off like maybe too packed of a pilot to you or, uh, what's your take on that? As far as all the little things that they don't, obviously don't answer the question. It's like, Oh, what's that going to be? And then it's like, yeah, that's what a TV show um, is. Yeah, no, not at all to me. Uh, like the only thing I guess was at the start in the actual montage, as you were saying, we see a bunch of different characters, but we have no real context for what's going on. And then it's like three years later. And I'm like, okay yeah. like i didn't care about where they were three years ago because i didn't know who they were or what they were about but that all makes sense by the end of the episode because we cut back to three years ago and it kind of picks that up and it by that point we know the characters and it goes back and tells you part of their backstory uh at the end so that did make sense i guess i could see in the first five minutes how someone might be like what the fuck is happening yeah. there's a lot going on here and then that might throw them off for the rest of the episode but genuinely to me when it was three years later and we were showing these characters live in like a, a fa really fancy orphanage and then like yeah it says orphanage and i was like ah it's like and then i saw how they kind of had some superpowers as well i was like ah yes it's is steampunk and it's x-men <laughs> yeah. and i'm on board and I, I in a sense i still i i was taking that comic book frame of reference even though it's not directly based on something and was like ah yes that's what we're doing here and i think the first sequence where our two main characters go and basically recruit a girl who has been touched as they say in this world which uh, means they have somehow gotten some weird power a turn um they go and recruit them and i was thinking throughout that scene or that sequence of scenes that this does a great job of setting up the tone of the show just in the first 10 minutes because they go recruit this young girl who's sort of being shamed by her family they think she's the devil but actually she's just started speaking languages randomly um and then some people show up to abduct that girl and so they have a big comic booky fight and a big yep. chase scene and all of this is in 10 minutes and i was kind of like this is all kind of cartoonish but i was so i don't know i thought it was a really elegant way of setting up stuff even though it's kind of simple as well yeah. so because they put the basics of what the story was into place i didn't have any problem when it would then cut to other characters throughout the episode and start introducing them where i guess i could see why someone might feel that uh, but i was just well secured in what i understood the show to be doing you know yeah and and also because of that i don't think the show comes off as it takes itself too seriously yeah which yeah. i mean I, I i can't spend this whole discussion just reacting to <laughs> articles i've read that you guys haven't read but <laughs> i mean this is the last one i'll bring up it's just someone uh, someone described it as it take itself too seriously and i was like i didn't get that i didn't get that at all um and i and, and again as someone who's not i came into this not 
really into this type of setting um, between just like a period piece or even uh, steampunk in general. So I don't want it to be like a dry, like, you know, take on the time period and the proper language and the whatever the fuck. I want a nice fight to happen and like, you know, heightened reality to play around with to make it more interesting. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with you. I was, I was, uh, pretty sold once we get in, even before the fight, like I liked how it was just setting the tone and setting the stage. And then, you know, they have a fight and a chase and, you know, we get to see the fun gadgets. That's cool. And, you know, um, kick-ass characters. So I enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I, the taking itself too seriously, I didn't, I guess the only part of that that I got was maybe like where there were boobs and things kind of just because it's HBO. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, yes. <laughs> ah, yes. It's uh, it's written completely like a, a quote unquote regular Joss Whedon show. But then there are suddenly like some references that would they wouldn't have been able to put in otherwise. But like that's not a complaint necessarily. That's just like kind of a running gag about HBO just needs to fit uh, a certain quota of nudity into their shows and they will do their damnedest to do to try that but in general yeah the the first impression i got was ah fun rump this is we're having a fun rump and it's kind of reminiscent as well of another like just another eighty <laughs> nine like uh, uh sherlock holmes you know with robert downey jr is also very much this uh mm. this type of genre in the sort of 1800s london and i, I actually there was a, a show i started i watched the first episode of and i have to dig up the name of it but it just started recently and is about like some kids running errands the untouchables no yeah something like that it's like kids running errands for dr watson and sherlock holmes <laughs> but like it is awful it, and it is like this but ever but much worse so i saw this and was like excellent because i really wanted to like that other show because i'm a simp for this type of genre yeah. so seeing this i was just like this is amazing um so I, I kind of breezed through the the first sequence there the actually kind of the next bit is we get the white men in a room with power talking about how to deal with this problem so the first bit kind of sets up where our characters our main characters are at and then we get kind of a bit of a broader context because they're talking about how three years ago there started appearing people or with powers um and basically they also mention a, a murderer who's now going to be is like worse than jack the ripper some woman who's potentially touched going around killing people um but most importantly this scene just kind of is here's the white men in power i didn't really love the bit where our main 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 bad guy i i, I don't think he's necessarily going to be fully a bad guy but our main like white man in power is uh holding a whole speech i did i did like the bit about how this is an attack you know this he thinks this is definitely orchestrated that the knife has already been plunged into the heart of the empire or whatever and they need to figure out who's holding the hilt um didn't love as much the quotes about how like uh if we give women rights they'll the immigrants will want it next and the deviants because that's always what i feel in historical stuff that it's all always those kinds of lines that make me go like ah now we're we're writing this in the future and looking down on these people in the past and we need to make sure they espouse these opinions and talk about how things will change in the future and how they don't like that change but the person writing this knows that change is coming um but i mean apart from that isn't uh, that the whole speaking isn't that a yeah, whole chunk whole. of Mad Men? 
in a lot of cases. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> That's true. And it's a whole chunk of any historical yeah. thing. Like, because I watched a lot of them for real history, there's always some bit where someone is like, 50 years from now, everyone will be talking about this and not that. And it's like, that was written by someone exactly 50 years after the time that this yeah. took place. Yeah. And it's kind of that vibe that it, it just pulls me out of the illusion a little bit. Um, but it's not a big complaint. Uh, you said before we started recording, you kind of like this. You like a, a, a bit of a mustache twirling villain scene well, where he gets to set himself up. No? Yes, I do. And the reason why I like it, though, also is because this is a pilot episode. So you kind of need stuff like that. Um, because I I think the show, I think the show does enough before that scene of dropping you in first, and yeah. they have to then have a scene like this to at least start to build the idea of you know who's good, who's bad, stuff like that. You know, it can be I can't like defend it fully like from criticism, but I understand why it's there, and I do kind of like it, especially if you already like the 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 heroes. Um, I yeah. like the impending doom and they do a um, similar thing. I mean, I guess it's all kind of world building cause, and I, I always think that Joss is very good at this cause it's something like in Firefly, for example, where how like they would speak Chinese and stuff like that and have different things like with this, you know, we're hearing the touched, we're hearing the turns and stuff like that. And then it's not till like 42 minutes in that they have the opera scene where for I don't want to say for the dumb people, but just for the extra clarity, they'll have someone else be like, the turn is what they call a <laughs> trick. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, I like that stuff where they do end up just having a weird exposition to explain it, but they'll let you sit in it for a little while first, um, even though you maybe have already kind of figured it out through context what's going on. They'll explicitly state it, which is kind of okay in my book. Yeah. Another quick question that I definitely should know the answer to already, and maybe the answer is we don't know, or maybe the answer is I should have Googled this, but like, what's the deal with the hourglasses? Because they're having this talk and then they keep oh, yeah, turning these know. hourglasses. Okay, cool. Because uh, I'm sure there's someone out there who, like, it's definitely just on the Reddit because I feel like a lot of people watching this are like, what's with the hourglasses? And that's either something they did at the time or something that will be explained in episode two. But they keep turning these hourglasses and uh, if you know what they're doing, please email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. I'm sorry for my hourglass ignorance. Yeah, yeah. Um, pieces, for example. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I, I can't look at it right now. I was going to try to no, pull I was, it up right I, now. Yeah. I, in the scene, they don't explain it really. Yeah. It seems to be maybe like uh, timing how much, either voting or like timing, saying that you want to speak and then timing how much you want to speak. But uh, again, there's an answer to this and I don't have it. So I'll leave it. Um, I kind of forgot about this detective character, to be honest, a little bit, like with everything that happens later, because his scene is almost set up like he's the main character of this show, but he's so clearly not the main character of this show. Like he's the main character of some other show kind of wandering through here <laughs> yeah. because we have like a detective who doesn't play by the book, but he always gets the job done. Like he seems to be that trope. And he just shows up at this building site where they're building the underground and he figures out that it's definitely not this serial killer that's murdered murdered this person it's someone in there and he's gonna find out who and he has some i mean he has some cool lines about i'll be the motherfucking angle of death or whatever because <laughs> yeah. it's misspelled all of that is pretty fun and very reminiscent of other joss whedon shows just in the the feel of it in the best way um so i was on board with it but i will say like at the end of the episode 
this character does not stick out really at all. He kind of has this scene to shine and he shows up a little bit later, but I assume we'll be picking up a lot more with him as the season goes on. Yes, yeah. Well, and it's very similar to when we meet like the, I guess they're brothers, you know, there's the... There's the lusty man who partakes in all the wills and then the awkward brother. And then, and again, like we're kind of, we are dropped in. They're saying names. They're talking about people that we haven't even met yet. Uh, but, you know, you pick up from context that, you know, because they're going to the opera with their sister who's funding. I don't think they're, sorry to cut out, but I don't think they're actually brothers, oh, are yeah. they? Or at uh, least he's at least... One of the guys is at least related to the the other character, right? The Bo- Is it Bovina? What's the name? Yes. We should have these names. Um, Olivia. Olivia. That's the actress. Lavinia. Lavinia Bidlow. And then the kind of geek is her brother. Yes. Um, And Hugo Swan is, from what I gathered, kind of like his friend from school was the vibe I got. He's the sort of sexy lad with the sex club and <laughs> like that's him so they i just wanted to emphasize and, that they're not brothers because yeah you're, you're right. definitely going to be riding at some point <laughs> or there's going to be a lot of slash fiction already yeah. about the two of them so yeah yeah you're right i mix that because he was he his sibling is lavinia bidlow um and I, I i it is hard to gauge like was this this uh character who you know they hint at he has a secret sex club because this show was like something bid on by other networks initially. So was this something always there? Or is this something that HBO is like, hey, can we work in like some sort of sex club and maybe uh, a lusty gentleman so we can have these scenes? Maybe it was just a little bit of both. The, me- the melding of the minds between HBO and Joss Whedon <laughs> to up the sexiness of the show. No, I think I was saying earlier, like shows are always trying to be super sexy these days. I think any... Almost any network would want this. I mean, think of like Vampire Diaries and every show that has spawned that's like about, you know, similar stuff to uh, Buffy. But now it's all like really randy teenagers like fucking Riverdale or whatever. You know, everything's got to be sexed out to the max. So I think this would have been the case either way. Maybe like a brothel, you know, because, you know, it it feels kind of like not as because it's like historical, I feel like they would have put that even on a non HBO show, you know, and have, of course there's gotta be a brothel, you know, Netflix has loads, like there's any like Bridgerton or whatever. Also the randiest fucking show there is out there. Uh, everyone loves it. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I guess Firefly, uh, one of the main characters, it's all about how in the future, it's not like a big deal to have, um, prostitutes and all that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> to some extent. But yeah, no, I, 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 you were saying it's kind of a similar feeling when they start showing up, which is a little bit later in the episode, as with the policeman, because it's kind of like, as you were saying, setting a lot of threads into motion, and we just have to trust that they're going somewhere good, which I do think it, it, it is uh, going. Um, but yeah, so like, I guess after the detective, we get an actual view of the orphanage and an introduction into like a fucking flurry of characters. Yeah. Um, who all seem cool and interesting, um, but we don't, like, touch base too much with them. It's really impressive. This is, like, an hour. I I know people, according to you, were saying that, like, it feels, like, all over the place. I'm really impressed with the amount of stuff they managed to establish here. Some of these characters who really just have a few lines, like the uh, some of the other girls in the orphanage, like the matron-looking woman in the orphanage who's got a like someone zings her about like you'd know anything about being a mother and uh, like 
it just kind of gives us a little bit of taste of everyone's personality and the whole dynamic in this place that's full of characters that feels like it could spawn, as you were saying, like Game of Thrones wise, it could spawn like any one of these characters could probably have a cool episode about them and their power uh, and so on moving forward. But it's all just very quick. There's a very big girl. She stands out, obviously, uh, and is Which, kind of fun and starts it, hanging out with this yeah, sorry, go on. Well, it's weirdly reminiscent because I don't know if you've read any of the Buffy season eight Buffy. comics. Yeah, he definitely has a kink for this, doesn't he? Because, <laughs> yeah, in Buffy season eight, uh, the comic books, uh, they're like when we drop, when we check back in with the Scooby gang, Dawn had like a spell put on her and she's like, like kind of not quite a giant, but yeah, big like the character here. Um, and I do enjoy... There have been different takes on X-Men, more the low-key takes where they... they zoom in on characters that have kind of mutant powers or abilities that are kind of essentially worthless. So, yeah. or at least seemingly on the, on the surface, like, cause even like the character we meet here, it's like, she can all of a sudden speak all these different languages. And then, yeah, we have a, 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 a little girl who's big, like, you know, pretty big. Uh, and I assume those things will then play out where we see the value in that, but I enjoy that rather than the obvious, like this person shoots lightning. Uh, this yeah. person's invisible. This person flies. <laughs> I mean, of course, our main characters will fly, <laughs> but we got to pepper in some of the interesting powers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think we have an opportunity to see how that, that sort of uh, develops with all these characters. As, as we're saying, they're, they're very quickly set up uh, throughout the episode. Then I guess we get to the main scene introducing these two characters who are not brothers, but one of them, like they're, they're polar opposites. They're two sides of a coin, big geeky guy looking at ravens, probably going to be able to control ravens or whatever, cause, uh, or crows, sorry, it's a murder of crows, uh, because he fucking is drawing them or whatever, big nerd. He says that he, I like, I like how he comes off like a total dick later in the episode when he's trying oh, to talk to the girls and it's just yeah. clearly really socially awkward but says the most hurtful things in a sort of aristocratic dick kind of way. But then he turns out to also be uh, touched. So we're going to see how maybe he starts to learn about that and about himself and starts talking to people outside and going outside of his room and, and you know, <laughs> engaging more in the world. So that'll be great. And then he has his polar opposite who's like sex crazed, runs a sex club, ha extorts people all over town, uh, has some hilarious lines about, oh, you don't have to wear that maid outfit anymore. Oh, <laughs> wait, you are the maid. Of course. Hilarious. I'm so rich. <laughs> it's great uh, stuff. The debauchery. <laughs> The, the debauchery that is me. And I mean, yeah, they start to hint at things like, I mean, I'm jumping around a little bit, but him and the detective have a thing going on. And what's that going to be? Uh, yeah. And I mean, you always need a Joker character. And I imagine this serial killer lady, she's basically the Joker, right? Or Harley Quinn, I guess, uh, to, to keep it more on the nose. But going to that, actually... If I could plug a blank, me our show blank meets blank, not to say yeah. that we're great, well, because we are, but yeah. what I like watching this, and maybe this is why I liked it, because I'm not saying we could just come up with this show, but there are things they do on this show that I feel like our discussions when we talk out a show, like okay, we need this, you know, obviously if you have our main characters that have powers and they're helping people with powers. You obviously need a, uh, uh, you know, a villainous version of that. 
You obviously need a shadowy people in power uh, that are, you know, so aghast at things that are happening. I feel like these are beats that we would have, maybe we wouldn't have done as well, but we probably would have touched on as we were trying to uh, map out a show. If we pulled what steampunk meets, uh, yeah, yeah. X-Men meets late 1800s. You know what I mean? Yeah, X no X Men meets Oliver Twist. And we would have come up with something like this, except <laughs> yes, they were all yeah. like orphans. They're all like characters from Oliver Twist. For your reference, dear listener, Blank meets Blank is another podcast on our network. Damn, we're doing a lot of plugs. Yeah, but uh, at showswhatyouknow.com, you can find Blank meets Blank, where we draw two random things from a hat, and then over the course of an hour, we sort of brainstorm up a concept for a television show and while we don't yeah i definitely don't want to be tooting our own horns yeah. like they spent a lot of time on this it's really good but one of the reasons i appreciate this show is that these all feel like sturdy good building blocks yes. you know they're like right we need this thing we need that thing we're putting these things in place and i just appreciate that a lot because these days a lot of the new tv shows i see they're, it's almost like they're trying to confuse you into being interested. Like we mentioned Westworld, for example. And that can pay off if you do it really well. But like just giving the good building blocks, it just instills me with a lot more trust that they'll actually be able to continue building the house of this story rather than just putting in confusing things over time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we have a few other scenes. I mean, we don't need to get into all of it. We haven't actually talked about our two main characters, Amalia True, uh, Penn and Zadair, but <laughs> they... <laughs> Not to harp on blank means blank, because on paper, it is so stupid that their that names name are... Is Mrs. True. Uh, well, it's Truth or Dare, basically. Like, that's yeah. their name. Like, that's a dumb thing yeah. we would put on, on our show as, like, a goof. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's terrible in the show but it's it is a silly thing and it's i appreciate that they make it work but it is one of those things (laughs) that we would do like we'd make a dumb kind of pun uh of a character's name yeah and not to reveal how dumb i am but i only realized that just now when you were saying it so that's where we're at (laughs) clearly not tooting any of my own horns here um but yeah, no, I was just going to say, we haven't really gone into them. I'm sure, maybe we just want to leave that for future episodes, but Mrs. True, anyway, the widow, uh, we see her have this flirtation with the doctor. Like, again, many things set up because they're, well, not really flirtation, but we can just tell there's chemistry between them. And again, just coming off having watched The Godfather 3, where people are supposed to have chemistry and they have no chemistry, I just appreciate how efficiently they set up, oh, we kind of like each other, but who knows? And yeah. not, I'm, I'm still sad and I'm, you know, really driven and can well, tell the future, like so many things set up. <laughs> well, and it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's, and maybe this is, this probably is an obvious thing that you, they do in a lot of movies and TV, but it's kind of like it's sold it's completely sold because she like looks at his lips. Like yeah. there's just a shot where she's looking at him and then she looks at his lips and it's like, they sell it. And yeah, those like, th- that's a nice moment, but I do feel like going back to the two main characters. Yeah. Amelia true and penance Adair, And maybe again, it's just cause I'm a sucker for Joss Whedon characters. Cause people have like, Oh, this is Buffy and Willow or whatever. But I mean, I love Buffy and Willow. So if this is a variation on that, I'm, I'm for it. And I was sold on, again, their chemistry 
uh, like immediately. And that's why, like, yeah. you know, you know, we have the just the initial banter, the fun action sequence. So when then we get to the mustache twirling villains, even though they're saying like, ah, oh, we're villains, we're going to do bad stuff. But since I'm like digging these other characters, I'm like, well, you better get the fuck away from true truth and a dare yeah. right am i wrong yeah you better stay away from <laughs> true and dare yeah for sure um so they head off to the opera because mrs true has had this vision uh that they're going to be at the opera and they've had invitations to go to the opera because they've told their benefactor that doesn't really matter they're going to the opera anyways yeah but more importantly they've put a call on the street that they or sh- she has Mrs. True, who's the one who's not flinching away from any danger because she's basically indestructible, it seems. Uh, although she did start bleeding. Bit bit unclear on her powers, but yeah. we'll get into it, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, she's put out on the street that she wants to talk to... What's his name? The Beggar King? Yeah, Nick the, Frost, basically. Yeah, the Beggar yeah. King, Declan Arun, uh, <laughs> which he does show yeah, I up. just want to... S- yeah, he shows up, and I just want to say, like, I love Nick Frost, but I've just seen him in too many things being the silliest goof to ever actually be afraid of him in a yeah. show. Like, he does a good performance, and I appreciate that he's in this. I look forward to seeing more of him. But I've just seen him too many times go, like, if you jump through the air, and sh- have you ever jumped through the air and shot your guns at the same time? Oh, Cornetto, please. <laughs> I've just seen way too much of that to be able to be afraid of him. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll make it work. We'll see. And plus it yeah. feels like, cause I mean, as we're probably going to see with a character like this, again, I'm just basing it off of the scene he has in the pilot, but it seems like they would cast him for a reason. Cause maybe he is supposed to be this outwardly scary guy, but you know, you know, some of these Joss Whedon, villains that become allies like it feels like what he could bring to that would fit really well if that's where they go with it yeah i think grudging ally and then he's gonna have a heart of fucking gold but then he's gonna betray (laughs) them in the end and go like hey it's in my nature i'm a scorpion in the fable he's definitely gonna tell that story about the fable and then later he's like what can i tell you i'm a scorpion you know you know that fable right oh of course i know i know what you're doing (laughs) yeah um so we're at the opera and this is kind of a a a long sequence there's a lot going on here before and after but essentially we have the scene from the beginning of this podcast episode just where uh true actually mrs true gets to come in and pwn the the white mustache twirling villain talking about language and of course i picked that clip for the intro because i'm a big lefty and this is another thing where he's like oh why should we bring in foreign flourishes when we could do this and that and basically just being a bit cartoonish but also i appreciate we we see some of his humanity as well yeah uh, even in the pilot right so i i don't think he's cartoonish as such but yeah the whole exchange is a bit like hey here this is the setting. <laughs> well, the thing is, because I I really like this scene, and, and, but I could totally see someone, you know, come up to me and be like, that is, that scene's such bullshit. Everything's so, yeah. like, on the nose. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that's always bad. And it comes off, it's, it's you know, these are players of this show or, play like, these are going to be players of this story. And it is almost like a verbal action scene, if you will. Like we're seeing some of these yeah. fights play out here, you know, verbally that we're going to see play out through this 
season or seasons of, of the show. So I kind of like that, a little taste of it. And it puts the characters in their more specific light. And really, I mean, it's fine to spell it out for the audience sometimes, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so they the actual performance starts and then this serial killer touched person shows up starts murdering people she has like a posse so again so x-men she's magneto and they're the evil touched and they have like fire powers and like one guy has an arm that's a a fucking machine gun or what have you uh and there's some quite a few characters that we just kind of see in the mostly in the background not too many lines but like the the lady with the fire hands and you're just like that that person's awesome. I want to know more <laughs> about them, you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> which is great. Um, so, and, yeah, she does a big old speech. Do you think the director, I guess Joss Whedon, was just like, just go full Hel- Helena Bonham Carter, like just yeah. do Helena Bonham Carter because that's what she's doing here. <laughs> You're very much a Helena Bonham Carter type. Her, her name's uh, Milady, Mala- which is French for disease, if we're talking about French words coming into English. Mm, um, very good. But, yeah, she's, you know, it's 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 very Helena Bonham Carter. I mean, if you do want to relate it to uh, Joss Whedon works or Joss Whedon tropes, even though she's more of a villainous, it's very uh, River Tam to me, in a way, from Firefly, because it's like the person who's almost so connected to what's going on that they're crazy. Uh, But we also, I guess, know a little bit about this character that she may have been at least thought to be crazy beforehand as well, uh, where Mm -hmm. some of the the ramblings that are coming out may actually have context into things that are going on. Yeah, and in retrospects, I feel like uh, this whole speech she gives, which does seem like nonsense. So many Reddit posts analyzing this, telling us what it actually means, I'm sure. And I appreciate that there's no comic that this is based on because it just allows for so much more speculation and possibility. And even just seeing something new at this point in the media landscape, I mean, I know it's 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 tired. It's like played out to even complain about all the sequels and prequels and whatnot. But to have something totally disconnected, I just get excited about it. Could go anywhere. And something like this, where she has this big speech, I don't actually remember a lot of the words, but I will rewatch it and think about how that might relate to what happens in the last five minutes of the show and how she might have more insight into it. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. And then it's there's sort of a twist where this singer starts singing and lights start shining out of people. And I, I thought it was pretty... I mean, it was pretty clear because it just starts shining out of some people. And I like how we kind of get a percentage here almost because randomly some people start glowing in the audience and we're like, ah, that's how many people have been touched basically because it's clear that everyone who's shining are people who have been touched and we realize that this nerdy guy who's there, he's he's glowing as well. Um, I don't remember if there were any other unexpected glowing people besides the randos in the audience. Um, But yeah, everyone's kind of taken with this singing and Helena Bottom Carter tries to basically abduct this girl (laughs) yeah i mean i i'll admit how dumb i was i didn't make the connection initially i mean i I did eventually pick it up but in the in the midst of the scene i didn't make the connection of what we were seeing with the singing 
Um, well, I didn't get truth or dare, Jim, so I'd say we're pretty much, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're on the level. It's a level playing field here. Uh, but yeah, she's kind of rambling stuff about like what she's even trying to figure out what her purpose is because she's like, either I'm here for something or we're just going to, I'm here or I'm here for a bonfire or whatever. And she's mentioning how mm-hmm. she's here for like an angel. Um, so yeah, like ramblings that do, that can start to make sense as we start to unravel things that are going on. And yeah, it becomes clear that this singer, uh, who uh, her name's Mary, I believe. I think I got that just from the sub. I watched this with subtitles yeah. on. Don't you typically watch things with subtitles? Yeah, I usually do. I was only it because of the accents. It was kind of because of the accents, and I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure I was picking up what they were saying. Uh, but yeah, it becomes clear that Mary's important. Um, and then we get a nice chase again, and of course the. The, the 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 guy that likes sex, he's still hard. There's a little fun joke there. Hugo Swan, it's like, how is that thing still hard? You know, because people are getting shot and murdered. A chase is happening. Now, did you think the? I thought it was just cool, but when she jumps down like the flights of stairs and then uses her dress to like do the hero drop. Uh, some people were describing that as like too gratuitous or something like that. Like, oh yeah, a lady has to fight in her underwear. Oh, well, uh, no, I didn't react to that. I only reacted to like the superhero landing because I can't take it seriously That's after true. Deadpool, which I is agree. so long ago that I feel like when you do like, yeah, you know what? You can pull off a superhero landing if you don't like draw attention to it. But she does the superhero landing and then like flicks her head up and like her hair kind of does the thing. And she'd already kind of done one. Like, no, she did. I, I guess she rolled when she jumped onto the stage, like fucking uh, what, whatever the guy who murdered Lincoln just jumps onto the stage there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I just reacted to the superhero landing. Uh, I think if they think this is gratuitous, again, watch Bridgerton, the randiest show on television. I'm calling it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they make, they make chase. I, I was a little like lost a bit when we then pick back up with, um, Amelia like in the alley fighting uh because I guess it's just you know because we leave that scene with a big fireball and a dive away and I guess we're just left to believe that they just got away she lost the girl and so she's just taking out her anger on like perverts in an alley is that what happens there yeah that's what happens there yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Yeah, they have a big fight. I don't think Mrs. True is used to winning, sorry, losing fights, um, yeah. obviously. Um, and like the Hell in the Bottom Carter's eyes start glowing like she's a fucking demon. <laughs> uh, I don't remember if she does any actual outwards displays of power or if she's just super strunk. Um, do you remember? I was no, I was she looks I, like a demon anyway. Yeah, I thought she was going to turn into a werewolf or some shit. I was like, oh, yeah, they're I werewolves. We, they're all werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> well we might get that yes but i the the fire the firebender basically throws a huge fireball uh we cut to black uh soprano sit down and then we are back and sort of seeing the aftermath where as you said there's a short scene with the detective and mr swan where they there's like hinted at that mr swan has sway over this detective um we don't really get much more into it than that and we see randomly someone being getting their brain cut apart we can surmise that this is the people abducting people who are touched 
Um, so that's going on. And then we pick back up with her stumbling around Mrs. True and sort of beating up perverts. And I guess she does this sometimes because Adair just kind of knows where to find her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, they have, uh, I guess, Mrs. True. I mean, she did try to kill herself like right before she got superpowers. I guess this is kind of reconnecting to the fact that she has issues and is like not accustomed to losing and not accustomed to getting beat down and like that she keeps you know it's just a standard like they have to keep fighting have to keep trying even though they're losing and no one believes in them and and like people are out to get them and there are a lot more of them and and yeah and she's not used to losing and they get to do a nice little echo where they repeat the lines about their names and you look fine today think so too or what have you um and, Which I like. Yeah. I like that little back yeah. and forth. I like that too, yeah. Mr. Scampoli. Yeah, Mr. Um, Burrows. And then we cut back to her diving in to kill herself, right? And yeah. now we're getting into the last bit of the episode where uh, something that looks like a spaceship comes in uh, and like distributes magical spores that attaches to people turns them special, everyone can see this, and then when it leaves, everyone forgets. Yes. So this is what I was referring to with there's going to be theories and things about this. Um, I mean, I guess this is kind of saying this is a science fiction show, it's not a fantasy show. Um, and also, I guess they're aliens. I mean, that's the obvious <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Hell yeah. Uh, so was that also your assumption? Like, I guess... Uh, see, I think... This is where I was like, I really want to read theories about this now. And because I have that feeling, I know a lot of other people are too. And I know there's going to be a lot of discussion. Um, but yeah, I feel like we're supposed to think it's aliens and then maybe it's something else. But uh, do you have any thoughts? I, I'm sure we'll have a lot more next week when well, I've actually checked out the Reddits. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to think it's either aliens or like God, right? Right. Or at least the, the crazy the crazy lady thinks it's God because she's... Yeah. I mean, because we're left to infer that she's the only one that kind of remembers what happened, right? Yes. So, but yes. then again, can you trust the crazy person? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Yeah. I don't know. It's... Uh, I don't know why I relate this to Attack on Titan, that anime, but in Attack on Titan, basically there's these huge... Uh, giants just attacking them and they have a sort of established idea of what the world is and you can kind of tell from episode one that probably their idea of what's happening in the world is going to turn out not to be the full picture and I just get a similar sort of sense here where uh, like yeah it's I guess aliens is the obvious guess, but I, it's also got that same like lost thing where it might turn out to be bullshit unless they <laughs> so tie true. the knot together really well. Uh, like it could turn out to be bullshit. It doesn't look like anything like, you know, it's not a steampunky ship. Uh, but even so, I could imagine someone finding this like under the core of the earth and there might be like a human in there piloting it around. Um, well, because like, it did. There's. To me, yeah, it to ahead. me it did look reminiscent of some of um, Penance's like little trinkets she makes, like that first one that mm. she throws and it like bl uh, blasts light, uh, basically like a fr like a flash grenade type deal. Uh, but yeah. I mean, that was just on. I didn't like compare them or anything or do like a Reddit breakdown. I just I've only watched the episode once. At like the cursory thought is, it just reminded me of that. But then again, that could be just because it's like this weird elevated take on steampunk or something so who knows 
I think one thing that is pretty clear from watching it is that this thing is intentional, kind of proving the, I should learn the character's name, the mustache twirling uh, fellow. What's I think Lord, Lord, uh, Lord, yeah, Lord Masson. Yeah, he um, he's kind of right in that someone has done this on purpose. So whatever that, whoever that person is, we don't know. And no one even remembers it, which adds this extra layer of like, this is clearly bigger or uh, than than just a ship flying around but but i think it's clear that it's intentional it's kind of like a dust the dusting crops like it's flying by and releasing this at a major population <laughs> center so whether it's god or aliens it's seemingly intentional i also gathered from that scene with all the lords it did sound like there were already touched before this date but they were in other parts of the world did you get that i'm not well, sure no, if I, I think picked up on that right i think what he said is that there were never touched before that date and the ones that have popped up in the other part of the world were in london when it happened i think that's what he oh, says. okay I, that makes sense yeah so, so it, I, it is was... like like a localized thing it's not something like even if someone eventually has powers in yeah a different country, they were actually in London on that day when it happened. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense than what I heard because I got a bit confused there about maybe some popping up earlier in other places but never there before then. Um, so that makes sense. So this probably hasn't happened before then. Um, people sort of get spored. Some people get spored. I do wonder if that's literally just based on where you were standing um, <laughs> or if they have some special quality a la X-Men where they could be affected by these things, you know, coming in and, and touching them. We see Lord Masson, his presumably daughter, yeah. like collapses. So we get a bit more like, you know, it adds a bit of character to him, even if we don't know all the details yet. Yeah. And as you said, the crazy lady, she's the only one who remembers. Everyone else just goes about their day again afterwards um, and we see Mrs. True climb up out of the water and we flash forward back to today and she's laying down on the floor of the orphanage like at the start of the episode. Beautiful symmetry. It yes. runs. Yeah, and you love a, I mean, you, you love a damaged protagonist, right? <laughs> like, sure. not, And I don't mean like damaged, dam like it has to be this traumatic event, but just the fact, just the, the, the detail of like everyone else is in a bed and she's sleeping on the floor, like things mm -hmm. like that, you know? Yeah, you'll love it. You love to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really looking forward to the rest of the episodes. I think uh, we'll we'll get into d discussing them, whether it's episode to episode or maybe we'll lump a few together. But there's only six now in this initial part of the season. Um, Joss Whedon did leave the project right in yes. December, which. Uh, or last year anyways, that I'm sure we'll get more into as we move forward. But for now, I'm very happy about what he's brought to the show. And I'm hopeful that other people involved, like there, as you were saying, lots of good, good writers involved as well. So even without him, I'm hopeful it might last. But it's hard to say all of this now because we've watched one episode and the next one might be shit. Uh, I don't That's think true. it will be. But historically, as we always say, it shows what you know, episode two's, can be real number twos they can be they're the real Tough. test to me of That's whether true. a show is good or not um so we look forward to discussing that next week i think absolutely yeah so um hopefully you dug it let us know what you thought you could send us an email it shows what you know show at gmail.com or if you're on our youtube channel you can go ahead and comment right below and also smash that like button smash the subscribe smash the bell 
Yeah. And if you're only going to do one of those things, uh, please uh, prioritize leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, We really appreciate them. And also tell a friend. That's right. I snuck in two things. Um, But yeah, really appreciate it. And we're going to call it there for now. But we'll see you again next week. And we haven't thought of a stinger for the end of these. Have we? No, I was just thinking that. How did we miss such a glaring thing? Uh, yeah, I'm di- I, for one, am disgusted, but I guess we'll just leave it and figure it out next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, everybody.